Welcome to the Cherry Becker Tax Beat, a conversation about tax that matters. Welcome to this edition of the Cherry Becker Tax Beat podcast. Today is November 10th, 2021, and, and we will be discussing the international tax provisions of the Build Back Better Act. Uh, also sometimes referred to as the social infrastructure bill and specifically we're going to be talking about the language that exists in the latest and greatest November 5th version as uh, coming out of our house. All right so first let me introduce my fellow colleagues for today's podcast. Brian. Hey Brooks I'm Brian Dill. I'm I head up the international tax practices for Cherry Becker, and I am based in the Atlanta office. Mike. Good morning, Brooks. Uh, I'm Mike Cornett. I'm uh, responsible for the uh, international consulting practice underneath Brian, and uh, I live in St. Louis. And as always, Sarah. Good morning, Brooks. This is Sarah. I am once again calling in from Greenville, South Carolina. Your life is getting a little boring there, Sarah. Anyway, my name is Brooks Nelson. I'm a partner out of Richmond, Virginia, but today I'm looking out at the lovely uh, sunny beach just outside St. Augustine, Florida, as I am talking. So I think I got you all beat, all, all, all three of you. All right, so Sarah McGregor, how's life treating you today? Uh, life is good. This is uh, year-end planning week for our firm. Uh, everybody is very focused on that for our clients trying to uh, touch base and work with them to figure out where 2021 is going to end and how to start well into 2022. Awesome. So let's jump to it. So uh, this podcast will be a companion to uh, to our other podcast that we recorded yesterday. And that podcast featured more on the general business and individual provisions. Today, we're going to be narrowly focused on the global slash international tax provisions. Uh, and as always, just the broad reminder that uh, we are not being troglodytes, ignoring the fact that you know, 75% of these bills are dealing with spending and infrastructure. And we're just talking about you know, the language that incorporates uh, 10% of it, which is you know the tax that's raising raising the revenue to fund these deals but anyway tax podcast so uh, we are talking about tax all right so as we've you know been having multiple podcasts following these bills along it's been a quite a long road uh we've started way back with president biden's campaign plans they've rolled out through green books we've had some multiple versions of language it's all rather confusing. So Sarah, why don't you set the table and talk about you know, exactly where we are in this process with the bill? Right, so uh, we got the first good piece of legislation draft language in September when the House Ways and Means Committees released their version, their approved version of the what's now being called the Build Back Better bill. And then here in uh, at the end of October, another version was released after the House members had had plenty of time to make adjustments, amendments, changes to the bill. And then uh, we thought we were good for a while, uh, but less than a week later on November 5th, there were some more changes made to the bill. And that is the version we're going to be talking about today. 
the bill right now sits with the Rules Committee and is also waiting for scoring from uh, the, the CBO, Congressional Budget Office, uh, before it gets voted on by the full House. Then it will go over to the Senate. Senate can make further amendments, changes, come up with their own version. And if they do make changes to it uh, or, or come with their own version, it will have to go to reconciliation or back to, to the House to vote on whatever the Senate changes may be. So we're still a long way from getting a finished version. Uh, uh, everyone hopes that something will be accomplished before the end of uh, this calendar year. Uh, we'll just wait and see what the next version of the language of the bill turns out to be. All right. Well, I think it's safe to say this is not going to be the final version of the bill, and certainly something will change. Uh, we've already seen um, Bernie Sanders strongly uh, protest the increase in the SALT deduction cap in this version of the bill. Uh, the chances of that getting through the Senate with, uh, you know, with so small margin of voting room, uh, it seems slim to nil. So, I mean, we know things are going to change. However, back to today's topic, we've been saying from the very beginning, from the very beginning of all of this, international tax is going to be the whipping boy uh, of all of this. It just seems it is the one area where everybody seems to agree that we can go out and get tax and nobody on either side of the aisle is complaining about it. Um, so, Ryan, here we are. We've seen again multiple kind of variations of how the language changes. Uh, what are your overall impressions of where we stand now? I think that the latest modifications um, in the Build Better Back are fairly minor compared to the earlier Ways and Means. Um, it continues, however, that international and corporate are paying for this infrastructure bill. I think if you look at the November 4th estimates that have come out, I think 815 billion of the 1.5 trillion um, in the revenue raise section is coming from international and corporate. So I think that's one big aspect that people should get ready for that have multinational operations. I think the other thing um, is that in that the rates are not changing on the international side and they're doing it through a bunch of different provisions, which we'll talk about. I think the administratability of this, per, these provisions are going to be very difficult, and I think they're going to be resource constrained in order to implement these. I think the level of complexity in these provisions are are very difficult to administer, and I think that remains to be seen how companies that have multinational operations are going to be able to, um, you know administer these type of provisions. I think it's going to be very complex and time consuming. Great. Um, so, Mike, let's jump into some of the that complexity that Brian's talking about. In some earlier proposals would have eliminated, eliminated FDII and, and modified guilty. Uh, what's in the current bill for these? Sure, sure. In the, in the current bill, uh, I guess you can call it the good news, you know, FDII and guilty are still uh, available to taxpayers, but they have made some changes to them. Uh, you know, on the FDII side, they have reduced uh, the 250 deduction down to, you know, 24.8% uh, under Section 250, and that will increase the effective tax rate on city income to 15.8%. Uh, 
guilty side. Uh, they have also done similar. They've reduced the deduction down uh, from 50% to 28.5%, which now raises the effective rate uh, from on the guilty inclusion up from 105 to 15%. Um, as well on the guilty, they made some other smaller changes, and then we'll talk about the real big change here in just a second. They, you know, reduced the exemption for your qualified business asset investment uh, haircut down from 10% to 5%. Uh, but the biggest change really for both, uh, you know, that's going to impact this is the foreign tax credit calculation uh, and the guilty calculations. They're going to do that now on a country by country basis. So before where you kind of have this on the guilty calculation, sort of a big group Calculation now you have to do some uh, country by country basis. So they're adding a lot of complexity, um, which is what Brian was alluding to earlier. So that now you'll calculate your guilty on a country by country. You'll calculate the foreign tax credits associated uh, with it on a country by country basis, just like for your overall foreign tax credit position. You'll do that on a country by country basis as well. Uh, staying with the guilty for just a minute, you know, there's a haircut on foreign tax credits, it was 20% in this proposal, it will be 5%. So it's sort of a, a little bit of a benefit, uh, giving you a, a little potential there. Uh, now, the one good thing about, I think most of these changes is the, has a delayed effective date um, for tax years beginning after de December 31st, uh, 2022. So if they do pass this here at the end of the year, you will have at least a year to Start thinking about how do I adjust for these? How do I account for the information uh, that's going to be there? So, you know, it's similar to what was kind of their earlier versions of the House Ways and Means, but they've tightened it up a little bit uh, as well. Right. So it sounds like um, we still have tax rates on FIDI income and on guilty that are less than the 21% corporate rate, um, but higher than what we've been paying so far. Uh, Brian, these changes helpful, harmful, or just better than expected? Uh, the changes in the Build Better Back compared to the Ways and Means are helpful. I think if you compare them to the earlier versions, there are two big components. One is that um, guilty would have been very close to 21%. Um, the foreign tax credit provisions are very similar to the early. But the other thing is the deferral in the years to beginning in 2023 is a welcome site. We did not know really how people would be able to implement these in a timely manner. But as you mentioned, Sarah, the CBO is yet to score this. We'll see how that comes out. Um, I would not be surprised after CBO scoring if, you know, we have to go back to an earlier year. So stay tuned on that. As Brooke said, things will keep changing. So while this was a welcome site, wait till CBO scoring comes out and we'll see if we have to go back to the 2022 year. All right, Brian, I want to um, circle back to something Mike mentioned, uh, important changes in the foreign tax credit. Uh, could you elaborate on those? You know, traditionally foreign tax credits, we've been allowed if you're operating in multiple countries, let's say you're a tech company or an industrial company that is growing, you know, you're in the UK, you want to expand to China or Germany for operations. Um, you know, we were able to consolidate those those income streams and the credits and include them on a single aggregated basis. And so 
for companies that were going country by country, it was a great opportunity. Now, in this new proposal, CBC, country by country proposals for both the guilty and for your foreign tax credits, that stratifies the credit streams. And so if you have losses in one country, they're not going to be able to offset losses, I mean, income in another country. If you have credits that are higher in one country, they're not going to be able to offset income generated from another country. And so you're going to, that effect of stratifying is really just a, a, a behind the back way of having a revenue raise. And because we all know there's no real benefit uh, for the taxpayer when you stratify it. And then on top of it, as Mike said, how are we going to track all of this information? And we envision the reporting going up and becoming even more complex. You know, the Form 5471s that report foreign corporation operations. Um, how many, you know, you got 30 pages already. How many more pages to report every country's income and tax pool information? Uh, we're very fearful. Um, honestly, from that as to how we're going to get all of that information on a timely basis. And uh, I, I can say from tax return preparers, losing that country of various or other, where we put all the foreign tax credits, that's that's going to be a great loss, too. Well, that, those are my favorite countries, Sarah. Other, <laughs> other, come on. Mm -hmm. um, wow. Uh, so, Mike, there there's some changes to interest expense as well in this affecting uh, international organizations. Yeah, in, in this bill, um, they've uh, back in 2017 they had 163J added, which you know created a limitation. In this uh, current bill, they've now introduced 163M, which is another interest expense limitation that. Uh, does not replace 163J, that still will work sort of in tandem and whichever is more restrictive will apply. The 163N uh, limits interest expense of a U.S. company is what they call a member of an international financial reporting group. So kind of looking at uh, you know, a company that is part of a, a larger group that files consolidated financial statements and trying to figure out whether the U.S. is the only, um, what its share of that interest expense should be on a, a group-wide basis. So uh, you will, you know, apply that test and then you will compare that to your 163J and you will apply the limitation, which is the most restrictive on it. Um, now, the most recent changes, they did loosen it up just a little bit. Previously, they had said um, for any disallowed interest expense, it would just be a, a five-year carry forward. Uh, this latest version is taking that away. So it's an indefinite carry forward, which is kind of similar to how 163J used to work uh you know before this proposal here on 163n so um good thing is this doesn't apply to you know s corporations uh you know so that and a certain example small businesses so they are definitely trying to tighten uh the deductibility and making sure that the u.s really is only deducting out what i'll call their fair share of interest expense boy that sounds really simple mike i i tell you <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> furthering the theme of simplicity, uh, Brian, why don't you um, expound on shield versus beat? Oh, yes, make it even more complex. So the Biden administration has been behind the idea of shield, and that is really a way to force U.S. companies to have non-deductible payments to parties that are in jurisdictions 
that have a lower than a 15% rate, and they were all over that and forcing that for a long time. So recently, as you all have seen in the news, with the OECD and with the G7 coming to agreement on a global minimum tax of 15% after they finally got Ireland to come on board with an exemption for small business companies, um, they have that 15%. Remember, that still has to be implemented on a country-by-country -country basis. A global agreement is for not unless you do that on a country-by-country -country basis. So each country's legislature actually has to pass that. And so we'll see how that goes. But because of that, the Biden administration, um, in line with the Build Better Back provision, seems to have foregone its, its need to have shield. And so we've gone to the BEAT, which is already in the code, but there are proposed modifications, and BEAT stands for Base Erosion and Anti-Abuse Tax Legislation. And really what we're seeing there is that the rates will continue to go up. What is most concerning on the BEAT, on this alternative minimum tax for base erosion payments overseas to related parties, uh, the most concerning is in the Build Better Back, is that for 2025 and beyond, the rates are raised to 18%, and we don't know how that's going to align with a global minimum tax of 15%. So you could be paying, making payments to countries that are in alignment with the agreement globally, but still be subject to beat. So that's a little bit of a surprise to us that came through on the beat. Uh, speaking of things that were left out, uh, in the original proposals this summer, um, there were some incentives for onshoring jobs and disincentives for offshoring jobs. These things were not included in this latest bill. Are there other proposals that were dropped or new things added we should be thinking about? Not really. I think, you know, just to be honest, the, the onshoring jobs, they've, they've kind of left that. And then, the, and then the offshore jobs, we'll have to see what the progressives and Bernie Sanders want to put off because that is absolutely one of their pillars. Uh, but that seems to have been dropped, at least in the House version and in the widened versions. We don't see that anymore, the widened being on the Senate side. Um, so we're very hopeful that those will stay out. Also, um, it appears, you know, and maybe I'm, I don't want to cast bad luck, but it appears so far that the interest charge domestic international sales corporation, the DISC, um, export subsidies um, and advantages for exporting through a DISC, are still in and are not currently in any of the proposals, which is very, very welcome. All right, so let's uh, move slightly bigger picture here. Uh, so we've seen President Biden and we've seen the leaders of the world you know, come together with this 15% uh, tax, but yet we see as we stand now with this bill, we're really sticking with a 21% corporate tax rate for the most part. Now we've added this uh, you know, minimum tax of 15% for very, very large corporate. I mean, those are the biggest of the big corporations. So Mike, um, how, how does this work when you're, you know, with all these provisions, but we, you know, but we're, we're holding out to the world, we're at 15%. But yet we're at 21 percent on a statutory rate. Yeah, great question, Brooke. Um, you know, it, it is 
you know, people have raised questions that, you know, we've pushed for this. Everyone should have a minimum rate of 15%. Now, again, that's just the floor. That's not the ceiling. And obviously the U.S. has decided they're going to go higher than 15%. We were already higher than 15% to begin with with the 21% rate. Uh, so it, it's going to be, you know, there's companies starting to say, well, geez, if, you know, 15% is the minimum rate, why are we going to be at 21%? Because the other foreign countries, you know, they speculate, well, reduce the rates down to 15%, um, you know, and, the, and yet we're going to still be taxing onshore, as we call it here in the U.S., at, you know, at 21% or even the, the foreign earnings that come back. So it's going, to, it's going to be interesting to see how this dynamic plays out, because as Brian said, you know, other countries have to, you know, legislate this change in. Now we're, I guess, already legislating because our corporate rate is sitting at 21%. So it, it will be, it really won't be hard for us to do anything, it's going to be more, you know, some of the stuff more related to treaties and, and maybe agreeing to this rate. But since we're already above 15%, it's really, in my view, kind of a non-issue for having so, a global rate. So I understand tax, but, and I know, and, and we are a tax podcast, but do you not see any kind of competitive disadvantage as all this shakes out? Or do you think it's more status quo? I, I think there will, I don't think it's going to be status quo. Look, you know, for the last, you know, for years, you know, really since corporate tax has been on the global scene, there's always been, you know, sort of the race to the bottom, which is what kind of led to this minimum tax. You know, right. Ireland still has kept, you know, the way they negotiated that, you know, the 15% rate will only apply to certain large companies. Every other company can still be at 12.5%. So I, I still think you will see uh, uh, a rate differential that takes place and the, the countries will use that to attract companies. I mean, the other part of the OECD is trying to, you know, allocate profits to a country for their activity. So that's kind of the counterbalance here that's not based upon rate, how that will play out in terms of profit allocation, economic activity allocation. But I don't think until you get actually a uniform rate by every country that you know, this looking about for the country that I can put my operations in, uh, particularly if, you know, they have the people, they have the resources uh, to do it. I mean, companies will always look for a uh, cheaper tax country uh, if they can do it. And with, you know, with your uh, foresight here, um, as we're looking at that, then does that mean transfer pricing becomes even more important as we're looking at countries being more aggressive and and taxpayers looking for allocation of income as the, the, the final playground. Yeah, I, I think it definitely is going to put more pressure on uh, transfer pricing, identifying the countries where activities take place. I mean, there has been increased pressure on that, you know, really over the last, you know, 10 years. But I think this will put even more pressure on that. Um, you know, from a U.S. perspective, I think, you know, one thing that wasn't in this bill was tightening up the, you know, what they call the inversion rules. And so with us staying at 21 and maybe this 15%, it'll be interesting to see if you see an uptick in inversion type transactions, because uh, that has been one complaint being at 21% with a global minimum of 15, you know, U.S. companies might look to, you know, kind of move offshore and, and make sure they can have that 15% rate. Great. And so, Brian, do you think this uh, increase in the uh, FIDI rate 
to 15.8% calculated or the change in the in the section 250 deduction was to try to get that that rate at least up to this minimum floor? Yes, it was. That's absolutely right, Sarah, that they tried to be in line with the you know, agreement on a global basis, the G7, um, to be in line with the 15% rate. Great. Well, Brian is, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, we, we've seen tons of pictures of cargo ships sitting uh, offshore, waiting to be unloaded, um, uh, empty store shelves looking for things, the 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 orders to, you know, the, or the the excitement to buy Christmas early, do the shopping now because you may not be able to find something later. Um, a lot of news about the global supply chain um, and changes there. How how is all this, in fact, impacting uh, multinational groups, transfer pricing, tax planning, you know, big picture things here? Well, let's pivot back a little bit to what Mike and Brooks were talking about with regard to um, attracting business and will countries still be competitive to attract business. Um, You're seeing the disruption in the supply chains. Um, While the U.S. is talking a good game about global minimum taxes, let's be very frank that from a policy perspective, what the U.S. wants out of this, and they've been very clear, they want to onshore jobs. They want to bring jobs back to America. Well, that means displacing jobs in other countries. So the, the idea that there's not going to be competition, I think, is fairly a simplistic look at things and not very honest and frank from my perspective. And now we have supply chain disruptions because of the pandemic. We have proposals that want companies to evaluate changes to their supply chains by onshoring jobs. So that becomes even more complicated. And then on top of it, when you do that, what is the pricing at every point in your supply chain? That becomes very complicated to change. And, you know, Sarah, how many decades have we heard Congress talking about tax simplification? Well, this is going from algebra, skipping calculus one, skipping skipping calculus two, and going right to differential equations. This is the I cannot think of anything more opposite to tax simplification than the proposals they're suggesting from an international perspective. The Tax Accountants Full Employment Act. We've it got is. plenty of work to do. But we're very gracious. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're talking about year and tax planning there for a second. Let's Let's go to that as we kind of uh, get to the end of this podcast. Um, so uh, I'm going to ask both of you guys uh, what ideas or actions should global multi uh, global companies with multinational operations be uh, considering right now. So uh, Mike, let's go with you first. Hey, thanks, Brooks. Yeah, I, I think right now, you know, it it would be, uh, you know, if you're looking at this and you're seeing, from my perspective, you know, everything maybe going to a country by country basis. Uh, that you know, it's it's probably critical, even though it's been delayed, you know, maybe a year if it goes forward. That you start thinking about, okay, do I have the information? What start to model out, you know, what impact if I have foreign tax credit on a country by country or guilty on a country by country? Because you know, seeing how that's going to impact you may help you make decisions as you start to think about your business for the upcoming years. Do I want to shift? A business from a country, you know, kind of going to the whole supply chain here. If I'm 
going to do that. Maybe I need to move it because I have the losses here and I want to make sure they get utilized where I have profits or I got high tax credits. I need to make sure they're, you know, I can fully utilize those or, you know, so I think really from my perspective, starting to model out at least, or at least pull together that information so you can model out, you know, your country by country and start to see what the impact could be uh, on both your foreign tax credit and your guilty. And just to, uh, tag on to that. I mean, lo and behold, Cherry Becker just happens to be offering said modeling services. So, hint, hint. Uh, all right. All right, Brian, where are you on year end tax planning? What What do you have to say? I, I echo Mike's comments that there is, you cannot do this or address this soon enough um, to model this out and make changes because this is not a simple rate change. This is going to impact the very fundamentals of your business operation from your operation on your supply chain to your legal entity structure to your intercompany pricing arrangements. All of those things take a lot of time to make fundamental changes in your business and you, it's not a flip of a switch. So you need to be addressing based upon this new CBC approach, country by country approach for both guilty and the foreign tax credit system, how is that going to impact you, you as the taxpayer, and where are you going to be forced to be paying higher taxes, and where maybe the incentives to bring jobs back to the United States or adjust your supply chain, where does that make the most sense? I think taxpayers really need to be focused on those things right now, um, even though it looks like it's a long way off, there's no way you can do this overnight. All right, thank you both. And Sarah, you got any final comments? Um, I would just add one more layer to what Mike and Brian said, and th that has to do with the continued reduction of interest expense and this focus on the source of financing for multinational operations. Uh, so looking at this again, is, is debt financing still the most efficient mechanism for funding operations, um, or will this still be more costly or equally costly to using some sort of more equity-focused uh, financing arrangement? Thank you. And I guess I got two two flavors in my final comment. One is more or less a echo of Brian and Mike, just the astounding complexity of all of this and the need for uh, businesses to do proactive planning and how long some of these changes are going to take to make and implement. And um, my second flavor is the planning for the compliance. Um, you know, the compliance, even without any law changes, was going to, you know, we were in for some pretty significant changes on a lot of international tax reporting uh, as it was this year. And, you know, any of this stuff that goes through is just going to further complicate that. And so I know the compliance is not a direct you know, contributor to your business's operations, but it can be you know, an important part of your cycle of running a good business or it should be. And so uh, I see just lots of issues coming down, uh, just having to deal with the sheer compliance of it, uh, regardless of what your structure is. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening in on our discussion of the Build Back Better bill uh, as it relates to the U.S. 
tax changes for multinational global companies. A quick disclaimer that we're not providing tax advice on this podcast. Please consult with your tax advisor, hopefully at Cherry Beckert, with your specific tax issues or to discuss information from today's podcast. Check out the firm's website at cbh.com for the latest guidance and materials on this and other tax and business topics. This concludes today's podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you, Brian, Mike, and as always, Sarah, and thank you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. We truly appreciate it. Let's call it a day and go forth in peace.